0: For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as the propitiation by His blood through faith to demonstrate His righteousness, because in His forbearance God has passed over the sins that were previously committed." And you'll notice that ends actually with a comma because it continues. Uh, but what an amazing truth to remember. Uh, the, the work of Christ, that we have been justified, that we have been made right. Micah, um, jump down the screen on the definition of justification. Um, We've talked about this, but it's good just that we're looking at this. We're using a lot of big words, and uh, it's good for us to remember. Justification is the work of God the Father declaring a person to be just or righteous because of the work of Jesus Christ. Now, we can get that bigger, and that's what this whole chapter is about, but I think that's simple. You've got those three parties that are involved. Think of the courtroom You have a a person standing condemned. The judge is looking to see that person who is guilty but what happens is that other person comes in to that place and is declared guilty in the place of. So no longer is are we declared guilty but we have been declared justified or right before God because of Christ and Christ alone. We've Looked at uh, paragraphs one and two. Look at paragraph three with me. Christ, by his obedience and death, did fully discharge the debt of all those who are justified and did by the sacrifice of himself in the blood of his cross, undergoing in their stead the penalty due to them, make a proper Real and full satisfaction to God's justice in their behalf. Yet, inasmuch as He was given by the Father for them, and His obedience and satisfaction accepted in their stead, and both freely, not for anything in them, their justification is only of free grace, that both the exact justice and rich grace of God might be glorified in the justification of sinners. It's, it's helpful to kind of take that picture, and these are, are words that are brought out of the judicial system to help us to see what Christ has done. In a sense, there is a, a result that's spoken of here. Kids, if you want to follow along, that's the first word there. The result that's spoke, spoken of in this justification, there is a full payment of debt Notice in that first line it says, it did, that Christ in his death did fully discharge the debt. There's a full payment. We just sang that. Full atonement. There's a, not just partial atonement, but a full atonement. It wasn't that Christ did part of it to atone for us, and then we have to do a little bit more. But full atonement atonement was paid for christ in a sense we stand as born in this world with a debt a a debt a certificate of debt that there is nothing that we can do to get rid of that debt it's not just like hey try hard enough it is so infinitely beyond because we have sinned against a holy god and that debt is declared wiped away fully because of Christ kids in your notes you'll see I put a little picture paid in full that's what happens is um, I remember at the church growing up we had taken a loan out for our building and when we paid that off we burnt the mortgage like the papers Um, but you receive this paid in full statement and in Christ when we receive his gift by faith our debt is paid in full Colossians 2.14, Paul writes, Having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that war against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it, to where? To the cross. It's that picture of, of that guilt. It's paid for. If we are in Christ by faith, there is a, the result is a full payment of our debt. But notice the, the, the confession helps us to remember that it's a limited atonement. That atonement is not applied to the whole world. It is to those who are his children. It's to those who are justified the elect. 1 Corinthians 6.20, Paul says, You have been bought with a price, therefore honor God with your bodies. There's a payment that has been made made to, to happen, a transaction. Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews in 10.14 says, For by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. No, it's, notice it's not everybody, it's those who are being sanctified. And that's an important verse that, that sets us apart from a, a Catholic faith. For it is Christ's continual offering. That is why the Eucharist is so valuable to them. Because it's him constantly being sacrificed over and over. It's the physical body and the physical blood. But it was one payment. That's why we do it in remembrance. There's, there's nothing that is received as a benefit um, in the earning of our salvation in taking the Lord's Supper. But we do it, as Jesus said, in remembrance of me. The result is the canceling of our debt, of our payment of excuse me, the debt of our sin is paid in full because of Christ. But again, how does that happen? We've seen this over and over again. Notice the first words of the paragraph, Christ by his obedience and death. You're probably going to be like, "Wait, we've we've talked about this seems like every week." His active obedience and his passive obedience. Those are those two words, his obedience and his death. His death was a passive obedience. It was something that was done to him. His active obedience was in keeping the law. And both of those things showed him to be the perfect sacrifice, to be that Lamb of God that has come to take away the sin of the world. And in his death, the picture of his death is the blood And see, it says, by the sacrifice himself in the blood of his cross. Remember, a number of years ago, uh, MacArthur got into a lot of hot water uh, from Bob Jones University when they took him out of context, when he said, the blood of Christ's cross does not save. And what he was speaking about in the context was, the physical blood did not save us. And we need to be careful that... Even when it says in Hebrews, uh, Hebrews ten, ten four, no, not ten fourteen. Excuse me. Hebrews nine twenty two. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. It's not the physical blood itself. For was there anything divine in Christ's blood, in his physical blood? No the blood is the picture of the sacrifice that he died and while it seems like maybe we're splitting some hairs we there's errors that we can quickly get into when we think of Christ's blood being special it was special because who he was and who it came from and that he was the Christ Christ in his blood being shed is a picture of him standing in the place of sinners. First Peter chapter 1, verse 18 and 19. Again, kind of jumping in the middle of this thought. But it says, Knowing that you were not redeemed by corruptible things like silver or gold. In a sense, we can't buy it. We're not redeemed. From your aimless conduct received by the tradition from your fathers. But with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot again it wasn't the physical blood dropping down but that was the picture of him dying a real physical death we'll see that in just a moment but sometimes what another error that creeps in when we talk about Christ's death upon the cross the statement can be made that he, he died went to hell suffered a spiritual death and rose from the dead but what did I just say? He died a spiritual death. Did Christ die a spiritual death? Because if Christ died a spiritual death, it means he ceased to be God. So we have to be careful with the words we put there because there, there was a, a death that was real. Notice the three words, a proper a real and a full. Sorry, that's speaking of the satisfaction, but those also uh, are pictures of his death. But Christ never ceased to be a spirit. God is spirit. And if he ceased, if, he did a, uh, if, he, if his spirit died, he would have ceased to be God. Now please understand me, I'm not debating the question of did he physically die. Yes, his human flesh absolutely died. But his spirit never did. And there's much error that comes in kind of through that thinking. And just wanted to kind of in this context bring that up. It's important for us to think about. And he took upon his death the penalty due. And the satisfaction of God's justice as a a righteous judge who always does what is right. He couldn't just pass over sin and ignore it. He took the debts Christ did upon himself as if he was guilty. He properly satisfied the wrath of the Father. There was a real satisfaction. It wasn't just, oh, some little thought in our minds. But it was a full satisfaction. Colossians 1.20 says, And by him to reconcile all things to himself, by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace, through the blood of his cross the cross was the, the linchpin of the, the message of Christ's atonement it was a real death hebrews 9:22 and according to the law almost all things are purified with blood and without the shedding of blood there is no remission of sins <clears> to <throat> me in hebrews 12:24 to jesus the mediator of the new covenant and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of abel what an amazing reminder it is of christ's death upon the cross it was a real death but notice the confession says in kind of the, the last quarter of the of this paragraph that this all happened of free grace. That though it was planned, though it was accurately and fully paid for in Christ, the Father was not obligated. Or he would have been or, or there would have been some merit on our part. Notice it says. Inasmuch as he was given by the Father for them, his obedience and satisfaction accepted in their stead, both freely not for anything in them, their justification is only of free grace. R.C. Sproul put it this way, the Father is not bound by justice to accept that payment, but in his grace he willingly accepts the payment that has been made on, in our behalf or on our behalf. The vicarious satisfaction of his justice by Christ. But then notice the end goal of all of this. The purpose of it. That both the exact justice and rich grace of God might be Glorified. Those two beautiful things, that that tension that we see there, that that God is just and his wrath must be propitiated, must be taken care of. But he's also a God of grace. He's not only a God of grace and just kind of ignores sin, and he's not just a God of wrath and never shows any grace. It's both. And to fully do that, he himself came. Christ came to this earth to pay our debt, to be that sacrifice, but that it would bring glory to the God of justice and grace. You know, if you are in Christ today, that's the picture of what's happened in your life. That God's justice is appeased. His wrath has been appeased because of Christ's death upon the cross, accomplished through his obedience and his death. And so in Christ, we can sing with full assurance, full atonement. And notice the, the writer of that kind of asks that question as it blows his mind. How can it be? And what's the answer? Hallelujah, what a Savior. Praise be to God for salvation. Let's pray. Father, thank you for these truths. What a, a, a beautiful reminder it is of what Christ has done upon the cross. That Lord, I, I pray that these would not just be things that we learn and things that we acknowledge, but Lord, out of gratitude. where as Paul wrote... We would honor you with our bodies. Because we have been bought with a price. Father, thank you. Thank you for these encouraging words. Thank you for the the hope of those who are apart from Christ. That they would turn and look to Christ for salvation alone. And it is a perfect salvation. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.